Hello and welcome to For the Love of Books, the Library Plus podcast. I'm Joe Hoyer. I'm Phil Hemming. And we'll be your host on this companion series to the For the Love of Books, Fully Booked Reading Challenge. Our challenge to you is to read 12 books in six months. And if you want to broaden your horizons further, there'll be 12 mini challenges you can take part in. And these will all be revealed on the 10th of July. But enough of that, um, let's introduce ourselves properly. So I'm Jo Hoyer and I'm the Universal Office Programme Coordinator for Libraries, which means that I work with library staff and partners to make sure that we're delivering services and activities in different areas, such as books and reading, digital, children's and well-being. Uh, what about you, Phil? What's your role? Well, apparently I'm partly uh, a volunteer to help you out with this reading challenge. Absolutely. Uh, willing volunteer, obviously. Um, when I'm not doing this, uh, I'm a community library coordinator. So uh, I have, with my colleague, we just make sure that the libraries are handed over to the community to run and then support them while they continue running, hopefully, for the foreseeable future. Brilliant. So... Uh... We hope that we might be able to get some of our community managed library colleagues in on the podcast later in the series, don't we? I think so, yeah. There, there are plenty of readers out there. Um, they have a big interest in books. Um, and if we can get them to support this, this reading as well. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to get some different voices in so you don't get too bored of mine. <laughs> I'm sure we won't. So we've known each other quite a long time. We've both um, hung out at Toaster Library over the years. Um, but we don't really know much about each other's reading habits. So, what sort of books do you normally read, Phil? Um, it, when you asked me this the other day, and I thought about it, um, I kind of go, uh, I read English at uni, so I like to think I'm quite well read. But actually, I don't think I am as much as mm. I think. Um, I tend to, to read a lot of science fiction, fantasy. Mm -hmm. Always have, right from when I was a youngster, really. I do try and, and that's why I thought this, this reading challenge would be quite good because it will make me read outside of my normal comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, definitely. Um, the last reading challenge we did, I definitely read out of my comfort zone, read, read books I never, ever in a million years pick up, um, and found that I enjoyed them, and I've, I've read other books by the same authors. So um, it's the same with the Digital Book Club that we run each month. Um, I'm reading all those titles. And again, some of them, some of them I don't like. They're, they're not my kind of thing. But um, a lot of them I'm surprised that I have enjoyed them because they're not normally the kind of thing that I choose. No, I, I tend to be a bit snobbish, I think, sometimes <laughs> about books. Um, if it's got the word uh, love, romance, anything like that in the title or in the, in the blurb, uh, I normally leave it well alone. Um, so, yeah, I think this, this is an opportunity for me to... Like you said, it's different. Yeah. But I am a big believer also in, I will give books a go, but if they really don't grab me after uh, a chapter or so, I'm also quite happy to give up on them. Um, yeah, I, see, I think we're going to balance each other quite well because I think I'm the opposite in reading style to you. So I probably would pick up the romance. And I don't like anything too fluffy, but I do like uh, what a colleague of ours calls contemporary fiction, other people might call chick lit. Um, <laughs> I do kind of like those those books. So um, Jill Mansell and Carol Matthews, who lives just over the border, I believe, um, they're go-to authors for me, definitely. I think the other thing we, we said about this the other day, though, is the fact that when I read, I will often have three, five books on the go at one time, but they're all different genres. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah, so I'll have a, probably a non-fiction, um, a science fiction one, perhaps, 
historical or a, you know, sing along a history line. Um, I've got about four or five on the go at the moment, and it depends what mood I'm in mm. when I sit to pick up a book. Depends what what book I pick up to read, and I don't struggle to follow the stories if that makes sense. Yeah, see, I think I would. I read one book at a time. Even I thought I would probably because I'm reading the digital book club books, and as I say, I wouldn't necessarily always choose those books. Um, so I thought I might read those and then have book of my choice running alongside but I haven't actually I have just focused on the one book um, and when you said about giving up I it's very rare I will normally carry on because I normally get kind of want to know what happens even if I don't enjoy it it's no weird. I admire your yeah <laughs> I admire your stamina but I think I think most of us that there must be a number of books that I think a number of us have have tried to read uh, a good example for me is catch 22 mm -hmm. uh, i've tried it i don't know half a dozen times to start it and i i just i can't for some reason i can't stick with it it doesn't it doesn't get me um i can watch it on tv if they did a you know they do the dramatizing of it yeah um but interestingly enough i've just started listening to more audio books yeah so i how are you finding that I used to put them on in the car because I obviously drive between different library locations. Yeah. Um, so I would, they would be bitty. So I might have a, a week listening to it a lot and then a week of not. Yeah. But what I've done is I've now downloaded them onto my phone more um, and I play them around the house. Oh, so okay. I literally now take my phone with me around the house. Uh, I've just finished reading one about the, do you remember the uh, forgery of the Hitler diaries back in the... 80s there's no. a bit a german magazine had bought the rights to me it turned out so i've been reading the uh, listening to the audiobook on that and it's been so interesting that i literally walk around with my phone around the house so see i do that but listening to the radio and podcasts and i love i always am listening to something but i don't listen to audiobooks which is weird and I think it's probably because I've listened to some in the past and not got on with the person that's reading it. And I think that makes a big difference. I think maybe if you, um, and some of them have the authors read them. And they, and I think if it's the author, um, particularly if it's an author that you know, um, then that would probably make a, a difference or a very good actor. But sometimes I just can't, it doesn't suit. So it's put me off. It's funny because there are one or two borrowers I've in the past who would really like crime audiobooks but they won't listen to them if the narrator is female yeah. because if the storyline is particularly violent or includes swear words um they've said they don't like to hear a lady swearing or right. involved in violence kind of thing so it never occurred to me i tend will just listen because i'm listening to the audiobook mm. but there have been a few borrowers that i've come across that don't like for instance, that female narrator for crime ones. Yeah. So whether it does make a difference. Do you not find that if you... Can you listen to a female voice easier than a male voice? Or does it... Um, I've never really thought about it, really. Because, as I say... I... You might do now. I've mentioned yeah. it. Sorry. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think probably a lot of the podcasts that I listen to are men. But it's not a deliberate thing. that It's, it's just happens to be that those, those podcasts are men doing it. Um... Yeah, I've not really thought about that. Do you not find, though, if it's somebody, if it's narrated by somebody famous, do you then see their character in the audiobook? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. 
probably and i know um this isn't to do with audiobooks but uh, to do with writing um graham norton has written three really good but i would recommend them they're, they're very good um, and when i read the first one i wasn't quite sure what to expect from it um but they're, they're really gripping and he writes they're set in ireland so which where obviously where he's from so it, it brings that to life really well and and dialect and things that spoken and stuff is brilliant um but he said that in the third book is a gay character and he didn't want to introduce a gay character in his early books because he didn't want the reader to sort of link him in any way to the story because he thought that they might kind of if there was a gay character they might tie him and start hearing him in the in the voice of the book and he didn't want that um so that's really interesting did you find that with him it's interesting you said about being an irish author um, I often find that with Irish authors, they have a, a really poetic way of writing. Yeah. Whether it's to do with, with the, the dialect, the language, but they they have a real... It's, it can be sometimes like poetry, mm. almost, the way they write. Yeah. Um, there are, uh, you know, other writers, uh, Edmund Blunden, um, Under Tones of War, he did... His writing is very... It's very poetical, and I think that's because he's a poet as well. Um, but I found that with, with some Irish writers. I, I, I like the style. I so do. is Graham Norton, is he an Irish writer, or can you see the Graham Norton that we see on TV? No, I just a writer. It's not at all. You wouldn't think, read it, and if someone didn't tell you who'd written it, you wouldn't in a million years think it was him. I don't think, anyway. Um, and, yeah, it's funny you say a lot of the books that I read are set in Ireland by Irish writers. Um, they sort of engage me quite quickly, I guess. Um, so it's interesting you find that. And it's funny because we read such different styles of books normally, yeah. and yet the common theme is that Irish ones seem to grip us. I do wonder if it's to do with, with you know, either a, just a, maybe a, a cultural view um, but I find with Russian writers as well sometimes there's a kind of a there's a, a darkness or a, a sorrow in their writing. And if you look at the country's history, obviously Ireland has a troubled history as, mm-hmm. as Russia does. And I sometimes think I wonder if that comes through in in the writing. So, um, but no, I, I think if I read Graham Norton, I think I think I would almost see Graham Norton, you know, as you see him on the TV, yeah. telling me that story. Well, maybe we should put it to the test. Maybe in this six months you should read one of his books and we'll see. This is the ideal time for it because yeah. um, I do need that, that incentive to do it, I think. Definitely. But, um, but you say he's written three. Yeah. I've noticed with other authors that have written a number of books that their books improve mm. each time they write. It's like they're honing their craft as they write. Yeah. Is it the same with him? Is it, is it the same kind of storyline each time? Um, the kind of common thing is that it's a bit of a mystery. Um, they're all sort of mysteries, um, and they're all set in Ireland, but they're all very different kinds of stories. Humour, does his humour come through? Um, not really. They're quite dark, actually. Irish, perhaps. Yeah, they're, they're dark, but heartwarming as well if that oh that's sense. one of those words heartwarming <laughs> if i see heartwarming on a book oh you would direct it okay um but no they're they're dark but they're kind of uplifting i guess as well and 
yeah, just warm, like the tone, like we were saying. Yeah, not they're not comedies, no. Oh, okay. I, I do tend possibly more towards the kind of dystopian, dark novels. I, I, I like a novel if if the novel is a dark one about a dark topic. I never necessarily like a happy ending mm -hmm. because that doesn't always happen in real life. If that makes sense, I, yeah. I you know, if it's a, a a very dystopian one, I like it to end yeah. badly. Does, does that? <laughs> but it, but in a way that kind of makes in an odd way it it makes you feel better because it hasn't happened yeah it makes it puts things modern day into more perspective it's too easy think, isn't it yeah to, whereas again a lot of the books that i read have a happy ending so i've got nothing against happy endings it's just that um i i i get my family tell me this they say oh you're a right pessimist like, no, i'm a realist i like to think that you know so when which is funny reading science fiction and fantasy um yeah, which is real. It's exactly, yeah. it's as far from real as you can get. But it's often based, science fiction, especially hard science fiction, is based in real science that they just push on a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's kind of, it's not impossible it will happen at some yeah. point. Same with some of the dystopian stuff, it's kind of, it could happen if everything went like, like a pandemic. <laughs> it could happen. Have you seen that cartoon that they drew that was during the pandemic? And it said it was from a library, and it said we've moved the uh, we've moved the dystopian section to current affairs. <laughs> no, I haven't. But that was great. It made you smile because it just goes to show, I suppose, that um, whatever people can imagine in a book could quite easily happen in, yeah. in real life. So who are your favourite authors and your go-to authors? Um, funnily enough, if, if as we all do, if there are times you need, I need to be cheered up, mm -hmm. um, my go-to type of book to read, which is going to sound odd, are First World War memoirs, soldier okay. memoirs. Uh, yeah, no, I, <laughs> if you could see Joe's face, he's looking very, very puzzled at me. I think it's because... Um, Apart from having a, an interest in military history, First War history, you, it, it gives you a perspective on today. So when you read the, the experiences these people went through in, in the trenches of the First World War, um, it, it's so hard to imagine it that, you know, on a, on a bad day, it gives me a sense of perspective, if that makes sense. So I've just finished reading a couple now. I'm just reading Ernst Junger, Storm of Steel. Mm -hmm. um, just because it, it makes me appreciate the modern day, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, all the advances we have and the, the, the medical services and everything that they, they didn't have then. Yeah. Um, if I want to just purely escape, it would be something like a good science fantasy um do you go back and reread books that you read when you were a child or when you were younger well it's funny you should say that yes i do so one of my favorite and again talking about the war is um good night mr tom by michelle mulgrine um so yes i have reread that um i enjoy that but myself and a colleague here um we really used to love when we were teenagers the um point horror 
and Point Romance and Point Crime series of books. Do you remember those? Yeah, I'm not no. With those, no. So when we were young, <laughs> when we were younger, I mean, we have series of books now, don't we, for kids like Beast Quest and things like that. These were for teenagers, and um, it was they had lots of different authors, but they wrote under they all wrote like little sort of crime books under the Point point crime badge or horror under the point horror badge and it was a good way of kind of working out what genre of book you liked as well um, and we absolutely love like the point horror books so there was a second-hand bookshop um, and we went to that and we bought all the point horror books that they had in there so that we could read them and they weren't very good when you read them as an adult but um, yeah we, we absolutely loved those so I have reread those but I was a bit disappointed were there a lot of them? Was it a big series of oh, books yeah. then that they did? Yeah, lots and lots. Yeah. Do you not find you, they become a bit samey? Yes. Bit kind of? Yeah, yeah, they did. Particularly with certain authors within the series, you kind of knew what they were going to do. Um, at that age, kind of okay. I was, I was kind of okay with that. You probably wouldn't have been, but I was all right with that. Uh, do you, did you ever read any of the classics then? I mean, if you reread. Wind in the Willows now, do you think you would? Yeah, I did. And it's funny, I'm reading stuff, um, this isn't a classic like Wind in the Willows, but um, I've got a five-year-old and I'm reading some of the books to her that I've kept of my books. So I'm reading a lot of Enid Blyton, which doesn't age particularly well in <laughs> the modern imagine. world, um, but obviously over her head. So um, yeah, Enid Blyton books, so reading The Naughtiest Girl in the School um, and The Magical Wishing Chair and those ones. Also things like um, Jill Murphy's uh, The Worst Witch um, series of books. So I am rediscovering those books from that early age. And uh, before that, I was reading her my favourite picture books when I was younger. Um, and that's where more of the classics kind of came in. Um, but yeah, I do read some classics over and I do read some of the books that I read um, for uh, A-level and GCSE again and certainly watch like the Shakespeare um, plays that we did I watched them at the theatre time and time I think um, I did the, the, the book that I go back to and I have gone back to a number of times over my um, as I've become an adult um, arguably an adult anyway <laughs> um, The Little Grey Men by B.B. Yeah. Now, so I didn't, when I read them, I'm from Worcestershire originally, uh, I didn't know anything about the author, and then I moved to Northamptonshire and realised he's, he is local, he was a local author. Yeah. Um, but it's a book, in fact, I've still got the book I had when I was about 10 or 11, and it's still got my name and address that I wrote in the front of it. Yeah, I've I can got hear, that. I can hear all the, all the listeners with gasps of horror that I've written inside a book. Um, but it's in my very childish yeah. writing, yeah. Uh, and I still got that one. And I still, I won't read it because I don't want to damage it. So I bought another copy. Oh, Phil! <laughs> I know, I know. So I could reread it. Um, Stick of the dump. Yeah. Cat weasel thing. Those. Mm. Um, I do go back to my children. I didn't read them to my children though. Funny enough, because mm. I felt it was like my childhood. Oh, okay. Does that make sense yeah it, it's mine and i wanted to keep, keep it, it as yours yeah, yeah they have their own books that that we used to read yeah um but not that um Enid blyton yeah i did read a lot of Enid blyton roald dahl no i never really liked roald dahl mm. books I, i'm still not apart from the one 
about his his war history going yeah. solo and yeah um no i've not i i kind of feel guilty sometimes for not being as keen on some of the more popular books but uh, Roald Dahl was kind of he had Enid Blyton was very magical and happy and yeah was sort of tight there was some bad times in the books but it all got tied up quite nicely but Roald Dahl was quite dark like you know parents getting eaten and things like that going on so yeah which is funny because you kind of like the darker stuff you know? yeah I, I don't I don't know why. I don't know why I never really... Um... And it's funny, the Roald Dahl books are humorous, like humour as well. Well, yeah, but I don't, I don't find them funny. <laughs> so I it's think not it's your probably, humor. Yeah, probably more my humour. Um, yeah. But the other, the other author I picked up from at school, actually, you know you were saying about books that you read at uni and stuff. Yeah. Um, there are some, a lot of, I did a, a module called The Gothic, The Grotesque and The Monstrous. Okay. Um, uh, some of the literature I was exposed to there was, uh, you've got the obvious ones, Dracula and Frankenstein and, and yeah. things like that. Um, and that, that gave me a, um, my, my darker reading, I think, went off in a different direction then. You know, this idea of the, the Gothic literature and the, um, and it's interesting about how you can read into the, the books you know the the concerns at the period mm. um that's moved a bit of a way isn't it from Enid Blyton to yeah. Dracula yeah, the magic faraway tree yeah Enid yeah. Blyton was quite a good nature writer um mm. and I learned a lot about nature yeah. from what she wrote in her books uh, and then at school we did a book by and you'll know this one Gerald Durrell my family and other animals no, I don't. <gasps> I'm surprised. I'm shocked. I'm disappointed. I'm going to make you read it. We had it at school, and um, I read that, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was his memoirs of when he was a boy on Corfu. Yeah. They did serialise it recently on TV. Yeah, the Durrells on the TV, yeah, but I haven't watched that either. So. I wouldn't, because <laughs> I used to annoy my family, because I'd shout at the TV, because they went too far away from the book mm. on occasions. And I read that, and then I, I read all the rest of his books then. He's written, he, had, he has written a lot. Um, so when I was about 14, uh, I wanted to be a zookeeper, ah. because that's what he was going to do. He yeah. was going to collect animals for a zoo. Obviously, as it turned out, I didn't quite make it. No, otherwise we sat here <laughs> no. amongst a load of penguins and giraffes and things. But afraid not. I haven't even got many pets apart from goldfish. Um, oh. But yeah, Gerald Doral and then his brother Lawrence Doral. Um, a bit of an armchair traveller as well. I think I am. I tend to like to read about foreign places without having to go to all that heat and so. If you if you can't see me, I'm very fair skinned and. <laughs> Um, I'm not so good in the sun, so I much prefer reading about uh, yeah. hot, sunny places. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, it's funny. I, I like. Um, I absolutely love Cornwall. So um, I'm going to sound like a complete celebrity author fan, and I'm really not. But um, Fern Britton is another kind of like we're talking about Graham Norton. She's another one that's sort of fairly. What? How long has she been writing books now? Maybe five, six years, probably longer. I don't know. But her books are all set in Cornwall, and I really like those because because you can. I know the place. It's made up places, but you you know it's it's I was say very. That. Can you you can picture it? I you can. can uh, yeah, I can really imagine it, and I I want to be in that little village, and yeah. So I really like her books as well. Do, do you? I know she's obviously well known, but yeah. um, 
do you do you follow the authors as a person as well as a, an author if that makes sense yeah so... it does no i don't really um i do follow some authors on twitter um but that's only been in the last couple of years really um so no i don't really follow them no i've, I've often found it's the same with with music really um i like the music that a band will play but i don't know i'm not really that bothered about the actual musicians yeah. um, i'm the same with authors is there's been one or two so gerald durrell I, I know a lot about him, his family, and his life. Um, but I don't tend to want to go to, you know, meet the author type. Uh, I don't follow them. Uh, if I don't like their book, I, I'm i not afraid to say I don't like their book. Mm. Um, it might be a difference, like you're saying, Gerald Durrell wrote his books about his life. And it might be, that might be the difference between that or whether they're just writing pure fiction that's that's not really to do with their life that might be the difference between whether you're more interested in the author as a person or not well saying that there's another another author that i i tend to read a lot of um which is unusual for me at the genre is phil rickman he does like a supernatural crime one mm -hmm. with merrily watkins who's a um a kind of a church of england exorcist mm -hmm. um based around hereford um I was introduced to it by a friend of my wife's actually mentioned the author. He's a good example of his books improving over each one that he writes. But he's the only author I've actually been to a, a meet the author event. And it was over in ross on Wye. So I drove from Northampton to ross on Wye to mm. spend an evening, not just me obviously, there's other people there as well, Intimate. to meet the author. Um, <laughs> But I think I, I was interested in him because he does a lot of research into the supernatural and um, he collects, he likes to hear ghost stories. So my mum was a nurse and she used to work in an old hospital. So she had ghost stories. Yeah. So when I was talking to him at the, at the event, he was interested in my mum's ghost stories, if yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So I, I suspect it's more to do with the what they write about like you say yeah perhaps i've only met two authors i think so apologies if i've forgotten anyone but um i met um jodie piku um, oh yeah she was doing a, an event at a school in northampton and uh, the school very kindly invited me and a colleague along to that um and heard her speak and got her to sign the book and everything um but i absolutely loved her books again i, I read those when i was well, I still would read them, but I started reading them when I was, mm, I don't know, probably 18 or something. And I absolutely loved those. Um, because, as well as the great story, you actually learn stuff. So they're about a topic, and you learn a lot about that topic, as well as enjoying the, the book. Um, and I met Roger McGough um, at a conference for work um, and got him to sign my very old book with my name written in the front of it from when I was little yeah. um, and he said it made him feel like a hundred years old but um, yeah so that was that was nice to meet him but I didn't really have long conversations with either of them it was kind of more just is that because oh. it's a bit of hero worship or just because they're uh, busy or they have they live in a different their world is different to ours I suppose if you're a full-time I think it's kind of yeah, I didn't really know what to say to them yeah. without looking stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, 
and and time you know you only have a certain amount of time don't you with these things to, to speak to them but... yeah we ought to we ought to get authors to come on oh, here authors and... are very welcome to join us on this yeah, podcast because not only is it interesting i mean i don't write although saying that during the recent pandemic the archive service in northamptonshire asked people to keep a written diary yes so i did that uh, and I, I didn't type it i've written it in in notebooks with a lovely fountain pen um and i found that it was um it was quite cathartic to write and i enjoyed and be interested if writers say that this sometimes it's the act of writing not what you're writing about mm. is is quite rewarding mm. you know seeing the words appear on the page and and that permanence that that they have um, um, it's don't worry any authors i'm i'm not likely to challenge you for any um, publishing rights it's just it'd be interesting to see whether um how people write what their you know yeah. their motivation is there how they do it when 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 do they do it you know yeah i think everyone has a different answer to that don't they yeah. and uh, uh, it's interesting you said about writing with your fountain pen because i know there's quite a lot of authors that do write it out longhand like that not on the computer they still like to write it with a pencil or a fountain pen or something i think it's it's i'm not very good at typing so mm. by the time i've thought of what i want to say if i type it i've lost it mm. whereas i can write much quicker so um i think at, at um for my dissertation uh at um at uni um it was some ten thousand words but i hand wrote it but I hand wrote about 16,000 words because it was easy to, for me to get all my thoughts down on paper. Again, complete opposite to me. <laughs> I was trying to boost up my word count and really stretch out my word count wherever I could when I was writing my stuff for uni. No, I was faced with losing that many words going, this isn't just a case of taking out a few ands and ifs and buts. It was quite a lot of, of cutting out. Um, but I think, uh, I think just keeping that diary just made me wonder how writers you know how do you keep the stamina to do it where mm. where does your inspiration come from um you only have to look at the number of books that are written and the topics and the the variety of it um, yeah. to make you kind of go it's it sounds quite simple they say we've all got a book inside us but yeah. i think mine's probably hidden <laughs> quite a long long way down oh, well yeah any um writers or authors out there that would love to join us on this podcast you're more than welcome so um i think we both know a lot more about each other's uh, reading habits now i think we do i think that um as i say i've, I've worked with joe for quite a long time but i've learned more about our reading habits um and i will i think i will be i will be inclined to push you to read but you've got to push back as well. Well, yeah, you're going to be reading Graham Norton this six months, aren't you? I, I, I will give it a good go. If you're listing Graham Norton, I will give it a good go. I, I do promise you. Brilliant. Okay, so join us on the 10th of July when episode one of For the Love of Books, the Library Plus podcast, will be released. We hope you enjoyed today. Please like and subscribe and tell your friends. Bye. Bye. <laughs>